We don't aim to solve all the world's problems, but we do offer you peace of mind, hope, laughter, and ideas on how you can help improve circumstances and communities. Good change is for you. For us, we take to heart your concerns about anger, injustice, and helplessness, the pain that we each feel, and give you something better to witness, something better to believe in. In many ways, this podcast is the opposite of self-help. It's us help. We draw attention to kindness, to the better angels of our nature. We swap stories that bring smiles, deep breaths, inspiration, and ideas to help us evolve. We introduce you to people who are positively transforming lives, leaders of movements, or everyday heroes who are making change. Good change. Good change highlights the common ground we share, the unlimited positive impact of a single person, and the greater good. Welcome to Good Change, a podcast about making a world of difference. Please welcome your host and good change maker, Ken Streeter. Hi, everybody. This is Ken Streeter with the Good Change Podcast, and we're super honored today to have Melissa Dealey, who is an integrative health professional. She worked for 24 years with one corporation and then recently founded her business as a result of no longer having that job. She's also been featured in Pursuit 365, which is a book about accomplished Canadian women. And she's founded the nonprofit Girls Matter, which has helped five girls, I'm sorry, 11 girls in five years in Uganda graduate from high school and some of them have gone on to college. And we're gonna talk today about all things health with Melissa and Melissa, we're happy to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here. So let's let's dive right in. One of the things that uh, you and I talked about recently off the air was the influence of the pharmaceutical industry on our healthcare and on our well-being. And well, tell us a little bit about what you've discovered with your pursuit for holistic health practices and uh, why we need to think differently about pharmaceuticals. I would love to do that because in all honesty, when I was in the corporate world up until six years ago, just doing the best I, I could in my job and raising my family, as we all are doing, I didn't have time to pay attention to this and learn this. And I trusted in what I had been taught. Mm. That if we get sick, we go to the doctor, they give us a pill and they you know, help us get better. And it was only as I was guided into my work now, first as a health coach and then as an integrative health practitioner, that I started realizing that there's a whole lot happening in the background that we don't typically see. And certainly if we're busy in our lives and not, this isn't our interest, we don't invest the time to learn it. Interrupt for a second. And, sure. and yeah, I love the expression as you were guided into this work. How did that happen? Let's let's definitely get to the pharmaceutical question. But how did that happen? How did you get guided into this work? Well, it was interesting because obviously after 24 years with one company in a career that I loved, in that moment when I got let go with an hour to clear out my desk and no word of thanks, simply because Big Fish was buying Little Fish for no mm -hmm. other reason. I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I knew that it wasn't going to be working for anybody else again, because that loyalty got me nowhere. And whatever it did, it had to be of service. And that because I didn't know what I was going to do next, I was open to being guided. Mm -hmm. And 
what happened was later that year, I was actually introduced to a company that offered brain health supplementation. And I thought that was really interesting because I realized I use my brain 24 seven and I've never been taught how to look after it properly. I didn't know that there were things that I could be doing more of in order to allow my brain to function better and be healthier. And I had a grandmother who was 97 at the time, still living alone and fully cognitively functioning. And meanwhile, I knew there was near epidemic levels of Alzheimer's and dementia. And I was like, so what did she do? And what did these people do? And what can I do to follow my grandmother's path? Because I always said I wanted to be just like her when I grew up. And so I started learning about the brain, brain health, nutrition for the brain. Well, about four months later, my oldest daughter got a concussion in her first high school soccer game of the season of grade 12 year. I knew of concussion, we'd never had it in our house. And it wasn't until we had it in our house where I truly understood how difficult this is for people to go through. But I did have some incredible nutrition for the brain. So I was using this with her as well as going to all of her appointments. Two months later, my second daughter got a concussion in grade eight gym class. And I was driving when the school called me and asked me to go pick her up. And I literally looked up at the heavens and said, really, this is how you show me my path? (laughs) Stop taking out my children. Because I already knew, as I said, how difficult a journey this is for people to recover from. And when you don't have all your cognitive function and you're feeling like crap, how can you remember what the practitioners are telling you to do and asking you to do in between your sessions, et cetera? And I realized people needed more support. They needed to be guided on their healing journey. And so I stepped into that, was asked to work in a clinic. I had no certifications. I'd like, I was working with my kids. I had, you know, labs. I was doing my own research, but I needed certifications in order to get insurance to work in a clinic. And there were people that needed my help. So that's when I went back to school. And from the moment I went back to school, I just loved everything that I was learning and couldn't get enough of it and went from one course to another and then found integrative health practitioner, um, which I really love because now I can run functional medicine labs to allow people to see what's truly going on inside their body. And when we know what's going on inside the body and where the imbalances are, we can then use natural herbs and supplements in order to guide the body back into balance. Mm. And the beautiful thing is, is these labs get sent all over the English speaking world to your home to be done in the comfort of home. You mail them back to the labs. And so my business can be hundred percent virtual, which was perfect timing for when COVID hit. Right. Right. So, so that's how I got guided here. <laughs> and that's an interesting comment because what you're saying is that you found a path that really resonated with you, that you felt it in your heart. And maybe that would have come in some other industry or direction, but your health in part, I'm believing is good because of what you've learned, but also because you're on a path that makes you feel good. Absolutely. So, you know, when you have that passion and purpose in life and you know that you're doing exactly what you're meant to be doing, you get up every day motivated to keep doing it. Even when times are tough, you keep doing it, right? And I know without a doubt that I am supposed to be doing this work Mm -hmm. and it brings me so much joy. And I love to work with my clients and see them heal. And I guide that journey because it doesn't matter what it is, but in 
in healing, true healing, we're always changing nutrition. That's one piece of it. I look at the whole being, but nutrition is a piece of it. And changing the way we eat is very difficult for people. Yeah. And when I guide them and literally hold their hand and have them on an app that they can chat with me through and provide meal plans and recipes, et cetera, it becomes doable. And it allows them to get through the difficult times of their brain talking to them going, you don't even know if you're doing this right, you know, and you're making new recipes and it takes longer and it feels harder. And so in those moments when your brain is talking to you and saying that, and you have questions that you can't get answered, that's when we fall off. But when we have questions and we can just send a quick chat and someone on the other end can reply, or, you know, maybe you're just not having a good day and you need to vent to someone and you can be supported in doing that. That's when we stick with programs to get to the point where our body starts to feel better then we know we're on the right path and we're motivated to keep going. And that doesn't take long. That can take anywhere. I've had people at three days who are shocked at in three days, how much better they already feel. That's incredible. It can take three weeks, but inside that first month, people know they're on the right path because their body starts telling them they're on the right path. So this is the good change podcast. And what you're describing is great change when it comes to, your, your own well-being. And, and then by extension, I know this personally, and I know hundreds of people that experience the same thing, that when you're feeling better, when you've got more energy, you are a far better member of your community and can enhance change from uh, all, re- all walks of life. You can enhance change in all walks of life. So that's, that's part of why this is important to me is, is yeah. the impact, the trickle out impact that is the result of feeling better and getting healthier. A hundred percent. And, you know, I say it's on my banner here. Health isn't everything, but without it, everything else is nothing. Right. We have our health. We have that positive spinoff effect of everything else being able to be in flow and us being able to show up and give the world the best of us. Yep. So I have to say that you're radiating positive energy from here. I feel it in, in, in how you're communicating and how you're looking. And I'm taking it that you're healthy. I am healthy. Um, and I choose to be healthy. It is definitely a choice. But that's the message that I want to let people know, is we have a choice. And when, you know, I was taught to when you get sick, go to the doctor, they make you better. That is actually giving up your power to someone else to make you better. And the reality is, is in my work, I empower you to take ownership of your own health. And in doing so, your healing is actually far superior when you own it. And that brings us now back to the uh, original question, which is if, if you're being quote unquote fed, Um, a story and quote unquote, asking to feed yourself pharmaceuticals, what's going on? Oh yeah. What's going on? So what I discovered in all of my research and all of my learning is that we have a broken system. First of all, we have a healthcare system that doesn't care about our food. We have a food system that doesn't care about our health and we have big pharma that prioritizes optimizing shareholder profit over optimizing human health. Hmm. And to me, that is just wrong. I wish that our food industry, our healthcare industry, and our big pharma industries were not for profit industries. Hmm. Because then we could focus on the education that 
everybody should be entitled to in order to be able to optimize our health. And that should be the focus. But unfortunately, the mighty dollar talks. Mm. And in the last 50 years, that has taken us so far off track to the point now where I invite everyone to be getting second opinions all the time. Because unfortunately, the system is so broken that big pharma is making decisions in their marketing boardrooms about what the next billion dollar blockbuster drug is going to be. In order for it to be a billion dollar blockbuster drug, it means they want you to take it every day for the rest of your life and everyone else like you. Right there, they are not trying to help you heal. They just want you to buy their drug. And the and and so, uh, the, the, clearly there there are pharmaceuticals that are beneficial to people that can produce positive outcomes, but what you're saying is that if the underlying goal of the big pharma is simply making money as opposed to serving people, then they're going to get sideways and we're going to be taken down metaphorically with that. Absolutely. And I do agree. There absolutely are drugs that help people and people that need drugs. But the volume of drugs being prescribed today versus 50 years ago, the growth in that is absolutely astronomical. And we are over prescribing mm. and over prescribing because big pharma is looking for the mighty dollar and incentivizing doctors to do so. And they have such a stranglehold on the whole industry. They pay a huge percentage of the television advertising budget, right? So who's seeing those ads? We're even having children seeing these ads and some of the ads are targeting children, like your bubblegum flavored this and your candy flavored that, right? So kids are growing up with the belief that, oh, if I get sick, I'll get a bubblegum you know, flavored this, right? And then they also are paying professors, medical professors at universities. They pay, and you know, in many universities, they actually even own buildings within the medical schools, et cetera. They have such a foothold in, in medicine that doctors are only being taught, these are your symptoms in this box, and these are the pharma drugs that you have to give to the people that show up with these symptoms. Today, um, there's almost no education for our mainstream doctors on nutrition. If there's any, it's one course. I know as, as somebody who's just finished their medical degree and got one hour of nutrition in an entire degree. So we're talking about one course out of dozens, am I right? And hours and hours and hours spent on learning all about the pharmaceutical drugs. Hmm because that's who's funding the medical school. Right. And then of course they fund government elections and so on and so forth. So they know where to spend their money so they can hold on to power. As they continue to grow and produce these massive profits that no other company in this age can attain that level of growth year over year over year, Wall Street comes to demand it as well. 
investors, you know, they're watching the markets and who's performing and who's not. And if your company isn't keeping on par with the other pharmaceutical companies, then what's going to happen to your stock value? Hmm, right. So, you know, I, I believe that marketing doesn't have a place in medicine. However, we've gone so far wrong that marketing is the powerhouse in big pharma these days to the point where the marketing budget and the number of sales and marketing employees now far surpasses the spend on research and the spend on employees in research and development. Hmm. So what's happening is they continue to look for the billion dollar blockbuster next drug for a chronic illness, because that's the illness that someone's going to have for life. So they have to take the drug for life. They are not embarking on research for more rare illnesses or illnesses that people in third world countries have, but can't afford the medicine. Mm. So these people are being left behind because there's not enough money in it for them. So they're not interested. Right. Right. Again, so that's wrong. So if you're looking at the global community, there is consequential influences in the pharmaceutical industry. Um, and of course, what we're talking about here is personal consequences as well with medicine that is designed to be purchased that isn't necessarily designed to make you better. I love the phrase, marketing does not belong in medicine and boy, are we on the opposite end of that spectrum. So what do we do? I mean, are there books that people could read that talk about the pharmaceutical industry that uh, if they, if people wanted to educate themselves as to the influences and, and ways to escape that, that stranglehold? There absolutely are. And I have a couple of them here. And I know that some of people are going to be listening on audio, but our daily meds by Melody Peterson actually was published in 2008. And I'm surprised that it hasn't made it further out there into the world. So I hope people will check this book out. Melody Peterson used to work for the New York Times. She used to be a reporter on Big Pharma. And when she started seeing what was happening, she quit that job and started this, you know, journalistic view into looking into what's going on and basically whistleblowing. Um, it's really interesting talking to the people that were on the inside and their moral ethics didn't allow them to stay there. And they left. And those are the people that she uh, interviewed and talked to about what's truly going on in the world of big pharma. There's another book called Bottles of Lies by Catherine Eben, another um, investigative journalist um, writing a book. And Bottles of Lies is actually all about the, gener uh, the generic pharmaceutical industry, which has cropped up since the late 90s, early 2000s, when mainstream drugs got too expensive. Mm -hmm. So a generic industry, a low cost industry started. And that low cost industry very soon went offshore. So the drugs were being manufactured in places like India and China where labor was cheap because how else can you keep the cost of the drugs down? But what do you think happens when the goal is low cost? Well, and if it's being produced overseas, I'm, I'm wondering about oversight, just quality control. Right. So it's a fascinating look into the FDA's struggle with exactly that the oversight, the quality control. But then 
how politics gets involved as well. So you have really good FDA assessors going in and looking at manufacturing plants that are not up to snuff from a safety perspective, from a quality perspective, from a hygiene perspective, and basically telling them, you can, we're not going to buy any more of your products until you fix all of these things. But then you have politics get involved going, well, wait a minute. Americans can't afford the high-end drugs over here. We really need the low-cost drugs. So we're going to tell the FDA they have to downgrade that label on that lab to a label that basically means we'll keep buying from you and trust that you're going to fix what we've called you out on so that we can keep the supply of drugs going. But there's no safety checks in there, yep. right? And this book was written as a result of doctors reaching out to this journalist and saying, um, we're noticing patients not doing well on the generic drugs we're being told to prescribe to them, or worse, patients that are suffering awful injury as a result of taking this drug, whatever that might be. Can you look into this? And so she started looking into it and it became a massive, massive rabbit hole that she went down and wrote this entire book. It's a very easy read, but it's a little bit scary. Mm. Like I myself will never buy a generic drug. Again, I don't really buy them anyway, but I wouldn't want anybody that I know or love to buy them wow. because I just don't know what risk is involved. When I hear, when I read these things and I know what's happening, I don't know what risk is involved. So, so we've talked about the perils of the pharmaceutical industry and the, the lack of responsibility because marketing is in medicine. And we've talked a little bit about nutrition. We've, you've, you've exposed us to a couple of great books that would be uh, prudent for people who are at all interested in this to read. Let's, let's turn it around now and, and say, what can we do individually uh, in addition to educating ourselves as, as we're doing here now with folks, but practically on a day-to-day -day basis, what can people do to reduce the influence of pharmaceuticals to, to shift their nutrition practices and to take charge of their health? So the one quote that I love to say is that every bite of food we put in our mouth is either our greatest form of poison <laughs> or sorry, slowest form of poison hmm. or greatest form of medicine. And we do have to take a deeper dive into that broken food industry that I mentioned that doesn't care about our health because our food industry, as well as, you know, providing food and grow, putting it on the table, which it's done for years and years and years in about the 1950s, as women went back to work. And of course I have no problem with that. They started providing ready-made meals hmm. to help women put meals on the table at the end of the day. Great idea. Until they too saw dollar signs and went, wait, how do we make this more cheaply? How do we get people to buy more? And how do we make more profit? So getting people to buy more, let's add sugar. Let's add salt to get that addictive aspect going. Let's take the nutrients out by freezing it and sticking it in a freezer. That and let's use GMO mm. nutrient you, you know, deplete products because they're cheaper to make. And let's add some chemicals to make it last longer on the shelf so we don't have as much wastage. So thus grew the processed food industry, which is highly nutrient deplete. And yet again, all of the marketing tells us how delicious it is and da-da-da, and it's healthy. You see that, you know, marketers can say whatever they want to say, right? 
But the reality is we all have to be reading food labels to truly understand what is in that product. And if there's things in that product that you can't pronounce, chances are they're not good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rice, rice and beans are pretty easy to pronounce. Exactly, exactly. There's 50 different names for sugar now because mm-hmm. as consumers started to get clued into all the sugar going into things, they just started making up new chemical names for sugar so we couldn't stay up with it, right? So what are the first three ingredients in a product? Are they ingredients that you know and that you can pronounce and are not sugar? And then what are the rest of them? Because I don't buy anything where I can't pronounce the ingredients. Mm. But if sugar's lower down the list, then I might still buy that ingredient. So reading labels is really important. And plant-based food, they don't even have labels, right? Right. So buy more plant-based food because then you don't have to read labels. And so that's the starting point is really look at what you're eating. What are you putting in your body to fuel your body? We eat for energy, we sleep for energy, but you wouldn't put, you know, mud in your car and expect it to run. Mm. So what are you putting in your body and expecting it to run? So that's the first step, but also understanding all that we can offer on the holistic side, which the work that I do is founded in medicine that goes back 6,000 years to Ayurvedic, you know, culture practiced on billions and billions of people over this time. Chinese medicine goes back, you know, 3,000 plus years. And if I factor all of that into my work, there's no one perfect form of medicine. There's many types of medicine around the world. And when we take the best of the best of the best, we have found that we can truly help people heal from much of the illness in the world today. Much of it is chronic illness of some kind, shape, or form, whether it's heart disease, diabetes, Alzheimer's, obesity, autoimmune diseases, some forms of cancer. The pharma industry will have you believe that you can't heal from that. You just need to keep taking their drug. And so sorry, you know, if another symptom comes up, we're going to give you another drug. You're just going to have to live with it. But the reality is, is you can heal from these diseases. But when we help you heal from these diseases, we do it by understanding where the imbalances are in your body, what your toxic load is. We lower the toxic load. We support those imbalances to bring the body back into a state of balance, at which point it will heal itself. That's what it's designed to do. It's just that modern life has us living too far out of balance and the body can't quite get back on its own because it's too nutrient deplete. And that nutrient depletion happens from high stress, poor sleep, you know, poor quality food that's being eaten. But when we resolve those, then the body can heal itself. And, and how, how do you find out that you're out of balance? Is that part of your program where you actually have folks submit fluids, for lack of a better term, bodily fluids or surveys or what? Yeah. So, well, the, the initial... Um, offer that I give people is to discover their toxic load. And that's an online quiz that people can do. But when we need to figure out what's exact, what's going on inside the body and where the imbalances are aside from the toxic load that is very often very high, that's when the lab tests come into play. And again, these are lab tests that your mainstream doctor does not have access to because A, they're not taught about these at medical school and they're blocked. Big Pharma doesn't want them to have them because then they could help you heal. Right. So these are lab tests that 
it's either a blood spot, so you prick your finger and you drop blood onto a little circle on a card, or it's a clipping of hair, it's a urine sample, or a saliva sample. That will tell me whether your hormones are in or out of balance, what are your cortisol levels, how's your thyroid doing, what's happening with your sex hormones, gives me vitamin D and insulin markers. So one lab gives me all of that, really, really important. And it's not just giving me one thyroid marker, it's giving me all of them, because we need to always look deeper to get that early warning of what may be going wrong so we can bring the body back into balance before it goes too far out of balance. Another lab will give me your mineral levels and your deficiencies, but also where your minerals are in balance to each other. That's really important too. Plus your uh, metal toxicity level to five common metals that people are toxic to hmm. or have a toxic load from. Another one will give me your inflammation levels. This one's really powerful because when the body is inflamed, that's when epigenetics kicks in and our cells can trigger our genes to turn on disease. And, and epigenetics is what? Define that. Epigenetics is where the environment we create inside our body kicks in to trigger genes to turn on. Mm -hmm. So we all have genes for cancer inside our body as an example, right? Or we may have um, genetics that make us more predisposed to a certain disease because somebody in our you know, past history has had that disease. But those genes don't get turned on unless we create the environment for them to turn on. And we create that environment for them to turn on with high stress, poor sleep, poor nutrition, and inflammation in the body that results from that, that triggers the cells to turn on disease. So when you I know, work with people, it's funny, it's funny, I'm picturing. So you've talked about when you go to buy some food, you look at the ingredients. And if you can't pronounce the first three or four ingredients, or if you can't pronounce, if the first three or four ingredients don't make sense, you've got a challenge. And if you can't pronounce some of the multisyllabic words in there, you got a problem. And I'm picturing now your package that uh, people have the ability to buy. And I'm looking at the ingredients and the ingredients, you, everybody understands what they are, which is sleep, relaxation, exercise, good food, those kinds of things. I mean, that's basically what you're doing is you're presenting us with a package of, of things that were easy to understand and that make a huge difference in our health. 100% that I'm looking at the whole being and we're all interconnected. And so you've summed it up beautifully because that's exactly what it is. And, you know, it's things like sleep that we take for granted. You know, have you ever been taught how to sleep? No. <laughs> right? Yeah, no. It's like I hadn't been taught how to look after my brain and didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. We're born, we know how to sleep. So who needs a sleep course? But the reality is, is over 70 million Americans struggle with sleep today. And they've probably never been taught how to sleep. And they have daily habits today due to our modern world that are negative imp negatively impacting their sleep that they don't realize because they've never been taught how to optimize their sleep. Hmm. So, you know, that's one of the, the things that I take people through so that they understand those habits because when we know better, we do better. And when we know, oh, I didn't know that was impacting my sleep. As an example, coffee. Yeah. We are a caffeine addicted society, right? But coffee has an eight hour half-life in your body. And we all have different tolerance levels of coffee for sure. But if you have a cup of coffee at 8 a.m. 
half of that caffeine is still in your bloodstream at 4 p.m. And half of that is still there at midnight. Holy cow. So if you've had another cup of coffee at 10 a.m. or at noon when your energy was starting to sag and you need another pick-me-up, when you try to go to sleep at night, you still have all this caffeine running through your body and you're wired and now you can't sleep. So you don't have a good sleep. You don't wake up feeling rested. You reach for a cup of coffee to start your day. Oh and my you gosh. Over and over and over again. So yeah. I work with people to break the coffee habit. Or, or in the evening, you, you want to take the edge off. And so you have a couple of glasses of wine, which I'm guessing may murk the waters sure. of sleep. Oh, right, right. There's sugar in wine. Yeah. <laughs> so you're right. You got, now you got coffee and sugar in your veins. Well, it's yeah. really hard to fall asleep, right? Yeah. So I work with people to break the coffee habit. And for some people, that's really scary, but they do it. And what's really astounding is every single time, the people that are most scared to do it in particular, they end up saying, oh my God, I don't need to take an afternoon nap anymore. I have so much energy. I'm sleeping better. I thought it was coffee that was giving me energy, but I now realize it was coffee that was stealing my energy. Hmm. So that's just one habit. There's many more habits that we have that are negatively impacting our sleep. So yes, when I work with people, I'm looking at the whole being, we're looking at sleep, we're looking at stress because stress, 95% of doctor's visits are related to stress. Mm. So what if we can understand where our greatest stressors are and understand how to balance them out? We can't get rid of all of them, but we can lower our stress level. We can balance them out so that we are not causing damage to the health of our gut with high levels of stress. And of course, stress impacts our sleep. When we get more sleep, we become more stress resilient. So, so here I am, I'm a busy human. I'm not getting enough sleep. I don't drink coffee, except when I do it. I think my half-life is 20 years because it feels like I can't sit, settle down. But so here we are a, in a busy, busy existence, each one of us. And I'm thinking, okay, so there's all these different habits that I need to to change in order to become more healthy, to become less dependent on crappy food and, and uh, generic pharmaceuticals. I just don't have time. I don't have time to focus on changing habits to which you say what? To which I say, that's where I offer programs to people that are giving you basically the Coles note version, like what you really need to know to make a difference in your life starting now. So for instance, I have a program starting on June 7th. It's called Health Optimizer. Week one is how to optimize your sleep. Hmm. Week two is an external uh, stress assessment tool to look at where the stresses are coming through in your life. And then let's just pick one of those to start working on. Hmm. And when we got that one nailed, let's work on another, right? Week three is introducing you to the gut microbiome because this is really new science in the last 10 years. And our gut is the epicenter of our health. When we heal our gut, we significantly improve our chances of longevity. And then week four is the gut-brain connection hmm. because the gut is our second brain. And I actually didn't realize this until I did all of this study that I had a second brain, first of all. And secondly, I always thought my brain and my head was in charge. But I now know that my gut is actually the command center and my brain is the operation center. There are nine messages from our brain 
sorry, for every message from our brain down to our gut, there are nine messages the other way. Holy cow. So, so what you're putting in your gut is significantly influencing what you're thinking or what you're neurologically reacting to all of that stuff. A hundred percent. So 90% of serotonin, our feel good hormone is actually made in our gut, not our brain. Hmm. Well, if our gut is unhappy, it can't perform the way it's supposed to perform. So it's therefore not producing enough serotonin or dopamine. Dopamine is also made in the gut. And how many people today are struggling with anxiety and depression? And if they go to a mainstream doctor, they're going to be referred to a psychiatrist who's going to put them on a drug right. that the body starts to get used to. So then they need a higher dose. What we can do is we can actually run a lab that will show me the health of your gut. It'll show me the health of your neurotransmitter levels, as well as your detoxification pathways, your vitamin levels, so that we can look at this and go, oh, this is what's going on here. Let's eradicate that bacterial overgrowth, yeast overgrowth, fungus, or mold. Let's support your neurotransmitter function to bring the body back into balance so that the gut can start producing these naturally at the right levels again. Because as I said, the body is designed to self-heal. It will when we create the environment for it to do so. But just going back to that lab on inflammation, because I never quite finished it. The beauty of that one is it assesses omega-3s to omega-6s. Omega-6s are in everything food-wise, particularly processed foods. So they're essential fatty acids that the body can't make. So we have to get these from our food, but they have to be in balance. Body loves balance. If we go back to our hunter-gather days, their balance for omega-3s to omega-6s was three omega-6s to one omega-3. Ideally today, I want to see that at five sixes to one omega-3. What I usually see is 18 omega-6s to one omega-3, which results in a highly inflamed body yeah. that can turn cells on to trigger the onset of disease. Epigenetics. Epigenetics. But when we know this, then I know exactly where you're out of balance. And if it, you need more EPA or more DHA, which are two types of words that are actually good that I can't pronounce, I'm sorry. But EPA, DHA within that omega-3 in order to bring your body back into balance. And when we do that and we bring your body to balance, your risk of sudden death by cardiovascular disease is lowered by 90%. Nine zero. There is not a pharmaceutical drug out there that can make that claim. Wow. So this do it naturally. The, and, and what you're describing, and I love this, is, you know, the saying, how do you how do you eat an elephant? And pardon me for the nutrition metaphor, the bad diet metaphor here, but how do you eat an elephant? And it's one bite at a time. And what you're describing is you're, you're bite sizing this up for people, because I don't want to have to worry about how I'm sleeping, what I'm eating, whether or not I'm uh, uh, in, incorporating too many stressful activities in my life, all in one week, and then have time for my kids and go to work and all of those things. And so if you're bite sizing this up, and you tackle one issue at a time, and you get right with that one issue, it's not an arduous time sucking process. It's absolutely not. Absolutely not. And when I work with people, some people choose to run, you know, the big five labs, as we call them, because they want to see everything that's going on, do it all at once. But we still address the big rocks 
And then when we've got that mastered, then we go to the medium sized rocks and then we go to the mm. little rocks, right? Or people can do labs one at a time, as you were suggesting, nail that and then move on to the next one. Because this is all doable. Absolutely. People just need to know A, that this is available to them, and B, that they can join a program like mine. You know, and there's other integrative health practitioners out there that do the same thing and, and heal themselves and learn the Coles Notes version that they need to know in order to be able to master this. And the beautiful thing is, is once you've learned it, you can share it with all of your family, all of your loved ones. You have this knowledge for life, right? And then everything becomes a choice. The choice as to what you put in your mouth, the choice is, you know, how you live your life, how you manage your stress. Is sleep a priority? For me, I want to be 101 plus, like yep. my grandmother was, and be able to have the choice to live in my own house and be, you know, functioning cognitively right to the end. That's what I want. And so that's, I therefore make choices around that. And, you know, she grew up in Christchurch, New Zealand. They made, you know, food was grown on the farm, etc. So, you know, very toxic free back then in 1916. I was raised in Tokyo, Japan at the height of the manufacturing plants spewing out toxins. So I know I'm behind the eight ball. So therefore I make more of a priority about this, but my life is important to me. I get only one crack at it, yeah. right? I wanna be able to live it fully with energy, vibrantly serve others. And I want to help other people choose and step into living longer and dying shorter right. because right now the world is in a state of people living shorter and dying longer. Wow. That is a powerful, powerful message right there. Say it again. Right now the world is in a state where people are living shorter and dying longer. And your practice allows us to live longer and die shorter. Brilliant. That, I mean, that's, that's like the simplest, most powerful recipe that I could think of uh, outcome from a recipe. And uh, you obviously don't have a Japanese accent. Where are you right now? Where do you live now? Right now I'm in the beautiful Whistler, British Columbia, Canada, where I came 30 years ago and I was here just for one season. I was on my way to London and into an internship in uh, merchant banking. I had a commerce degree and I got to this place surrounded by nature. And even then, when I didn't have a clue really about health and wellness, I made a decision that changed the course of my life. And that decision was, I don't want to go to London and live that life. I've seen it. It's mm. high stress. You go to the pub after work every day, you're eating fried food. And I chose instead to live here in nature. It was going to be less money but I also knew money didn't buy happiness. And to the and people- I never that, regretted that decision. I can see that. I mean, you, you look again, like you're extremely healthy and obviously you've completely embraced this new calling, but to people who live in Chicago or New York or London or Tokyo, there are ways to offset the stresses that come with that. Absolutely. And the toxins yeah. and- we, nobody on the planet can avoid the toxins that we have today. Over a hundred thousand man-made chemicals have been introduced since world war II. Mm. They're coming in through our waterways, our food, our skin, the, you know, 
products we use on our skin, et cetera, et cetera, through our airways. But we can support our body in getting them out. And that's a piece of the work that I do is helping people detox with a really good functional medicine detox that opens up the pathways, lowers that toxic load. And then we get into healing protocols or optimizing protocols for those who want to optimize. People just need to know that this is important and that it can be done. Mm. To this day in Ayurvedic medicine, they still practice detoxes, same in Asian cultures, Latin American cultures. It's only in the Western world where we've decided, well, if we wash our outer body, that's enough for good health and good hygiene. Mm. But we actually have to help cleanse or detox our inner body because the human body was never designed to live under the toxic load that we live in today. We just don't adapt quickly enough. So our liver gets bogged down, our kidneys get bogged down. And when they don't function properly, again, starts to cause inflammation. You know, think of all the people with fatty liver, liver cirrhosis these days. We don't have to let it get that bad. So um, I'm astounded at how much you know and it's been essentially, it's been a lifetime of curiosity and wondering and choosing lifestyles, but it's been an immersion for you starting six years ago or so in, into this field. Uh, have, have you been inspired to dig deeper, to learn more, to uh, put out the word in part because your clients are saying my life has forever changed for the better courtesy of the wisdom and the ideas that you've provided. You know, I haven't, haven't really thought about that other than I hear that from my clients all the time. I just finished a different four week program this last Monday. And at the end of it, at the checkout, one lady said, I thought this was going to be the worst thing I ever did. Mm -hmm. And I've realized it's the best thing I ever did. Another lady said, I honestly cannot remember the last time I felt this good. Mm. And somebody else said, I've done so many courses like this and nobody has ever provided the information to me in such a clear way for me to understand it, giving me exactly what I need when I needed it and making me feel supported. Mm. That inspires me to yeah. keep going because I know the world needs this. And I just have a sense that Again, it comes back to this whole marketing and this, this dollar. It just bothers me to my core that what should be a basic human right, knowledge about our own bodies and how they function in order to be able to optimize them is not being offered in a way that people can learn it easily. It's being held. And, and obviously one way to learn it easily, easily or more easily is to, is to work with you. So how do people, how do we find you? So my website is yourguidedhealthjourney.com. My email is simply melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com. I'm on LinkedIn as Melissa Dealy, D-E-A-L-L-Y. And I'm on Facebook and Insta as Your Guided Health Journey. And I also have a podcast, which is called Don't Wait for Your Wake Up Call. And you can find that on your favorite podcast listening app. Awesome. Again, this is the Good Change Podcast, and, and often guests are focused more on community or business culture or global environmental change issues. But 
for anyone to tackle those things, for any individual to want to do what they can to make their community or their business or their environment, their ecosystem better, you got to have the, the energy and the, the, the just mental acuity and time to do those things. And, and what we're describing here today really is the cornerstone to good change, which is change yourself, change your physiology. A hundred percent. It is the foundation. When we have our health, we truly can do absolutely anything. And I have a favorite quote. I think it was the Dalai Lama who said this, that man can have a thousand dreams until he doesn't have his health. Hmm. And then he has but one. Hmm. So what do you wish more for people than anything else? My mission on this earth is to have people step into prioritizing their health. Don't wait to get sick and then seek ways to get better. Choose instead to prioritize your health. Learn how to do that so that you can go out and live life fully and follow your purpose and live your dreams. That's beautiful. Anything else you'd like to leave us with besides the however many, I'm going I'm to count them on as many hands, probably 1,276 great pieces of advice and pearls of wisdom. Anything else you want to leave us with? Just that it, I do actually offer a complimentary 30-minute consult with people. If they're struggling with a health issue and want to know if it's something that I can help them with and they want to get to know me a little bit more, I do offer that. And uh, people can just reach out again at melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com and let me know they're interested in that. And I can send them a link to book into that session. Fantastic. Thank you very much. This has been an eye-opening and gut-checking, positively gut-biome-checking uh, uh, episode. Uh, our time together has gone super fast. We're close to an hour. And uh, I'm just so grateful to you for taking time to share what you know can make a huge difference in people's lives. Well, and I want to thank you for having me because this is a message I just want to get out to more people and you're helping me do that. So thank you very, very much, Ken. Right on. You're welcome. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. With every show, we ask our guests to share a video of them doing something fun, one of their favorite songs, a few lines from a book they enjoyed, or a scene from a great movie, something that matches their hopes, dreams, and good work. And then we give this to you, because laughter and beauty soothes, heals, and changes us. You can find and unwrap this gift on any of our social media sites. Thank you for participating in this podcast. Until next time, keep an eye out for change, good change, and join our movement at kenstreeter.com.